Okay, so we're going to pick it up from the beginning of the second parak in Daf Tesvav Amid Beis. The Mishnah says like this. The Mishnah is discussing a scenario where a woman wants to get her ksuba. So she's either a widow or divorced, and she wants to claim her ksuba, but she lost the ksuba. So now there's going to be an argument between her and the husband if it's a divorce, or the husband's um, uh, yarshim in, in, if she's a widow, where she's going to claim that she's a, she was a basula when they got married, and the ksuba said 200, and he's going to claim you were a widow, and you only got 100. Uh, and obviously the question is, who do we listen to? So the Mishnah says, A woman who was widowed or divorced, He She says, when I got married, I was a basula, and my ksuba is 200 zuz. And, and they respond, and the husband responds, I married you as an almana, and you only get an, a ksuba of 100. So, so what do we do? So, so what we need is we need witnesses at the wedding to prove that she was a basula. Now, in the times of the Gemara, there were different minhagim at the weddings of basulas. They did things differently. One of the things was that if the woman was a basula at the wedding, she would go with a hinuma. The Gemara is going to explain what this is. And her hair was down. So if there are witnesses that could attest that at her wedding, she did that, then she was a basula. Then, basically you have witnesses that when she was married, it was the marriage of a basula. So, but if not, then, then he doesn't have to pay. Because I'm Otsi Mechaver, of a raya. Rav Yocham and Nuri, Rav Yocham says, Even if, they, uh, if there are witnesses that claim that at the wedding they distributed grain, they would uh, throw grain at the Chassan and Kala if she was a basula. So if you could uh, get, get witnesses that can claim that that's happened, so that's another raya, and that would be enough for her to be a, a basula. Umoide Rav Yeshua, now the, the Mishnah says, Rav Yeshua is moide. Now what this means is that in the previous, the Gemara is going to explain this, but I'll just get to the, the spoil of the Gemara, that the previous parak we had a machloikas between Rav Yeshua and Rav Gamliel, where Rav Yeshua never sided with the woman, even when there was amigu. Again, amigu, just to clarify, amigu is where a person makes a claim, and they could have claimed something even better, and they didn't. So that's a proof that their claim was uh, was uh, their claim is accurate. So we had in the previous parak, and the Gemara is going to explain there was a case where the woman claimed something, and she could have had a, she had a migu, she could have claimed something else, and still Rabbi Yeshua doesn't agree. But now says the Mishnah, Maida Rabbi Yeshua, but now Rabbi Yeshua is Maida. But Oymel Chaver is Sadeh Zushalavicha Ha'yisol Kachti Yehimanu Shuhu Naman. Go to the next page. Shapasa Aser Hu Apesha Hitter. There's a concept called Pesha Aser Apesha Hitter. Pesha Aser Pesha Hitter is not exactly migu. What it means is, if someone uh, says a statement, which is um, comes out of nowhere and says a statement which Pesha uh, Aser, so it's a damning statement, but then Pesha Hitter. So let's say, I'll give you an example. Um, an example of this would be um, a woman comes and says, um, we don't know the status of a woman. She comes to court and she says that she was married, but is now divorced. So Allah is, she's allowed to remarry based on the proof of that divorce. Meaning, we don't, it's not like, it's not like a woman that we know is married and now she claims she's divorced. Now, okay, you got to prove it. She came in, we knew nothing. She claimed she was married, so she said damning evidence, but then she claimed she was divorced. So we believe her because the same mouth that said Pesha Asa, the same mouth that said uh, incriminating uh, ev- uh, uh, concepts also said Pesha Hitter, said, said things that are uh, to be mekel. So we believe her. Rabbi Shua agrees in this case. So what's this case of a Mishnah? A guy comes in and says, 
you know, my field, you should know your father sold it to me. So in the same statement, he's saying damning evidence, which saying that this field was not always mine, but he, he's the one who also testifies that he bought it. So it's not like if there are witnesses that said, oh, hey, you know, this was that guy's field, and he says, I bought it from him, then you got to prove it. He's saying this field that everyone assumes is Reuben, Reuben says, really, it was Shimon's, but Shimon sold it to me. Shimon's father sold it to me. The halacha is that we believe him, because we only know that it was Shimon's father based on his uh, uh, testimony, so we're going to believe his whole testimony. We'll believe the damning part of the testimony that was originally Shimon's father, but we'll also believe that Shimon's father sold it to him. But if there are witnesses that it belonged to someone else, and now he claims he bought it, that's not good enough. It's not good enough, though. That's the concept. Okay, so let's, let's start the Gemara. The Gemara says like this. We said in the Mishnah, where there's no ksuva, and there's a debate as to what her status was. So she says she was a basula, he says, no, you were an almana. So if there are witnesses that can prove that the wedding, at her wedding she was a basula, that it was the wedding of a basula, then she's believed. The only reason why she's believed is because there are witnesses. Let's say there are no witnesses. And so it's just her words against his. So what's the halacha? Baal Mohammed, we believe the husband. So that's, if you remember from the previous couple often that does not sound like Rav Gamliel. Lema Tanama stomach like Rav Gamliel. It does not sound like Rav Gamliel, because Rav Gamliel always sided with the woman. And over here, we're only siding with the woman because there are witnesses. If there were no witnesses, we don't side with the woman. So, di Rav Gamliel, ha'amar ihi mehemna. If our Mishnah followed Rav Gamliel, then shouldn't she believe always? So what's the shot? So our Mishnah is not like Rav Gamliel. So the Gemara says no. Afila tamer Rav Gamliel. Really, our Mishnah can work with Rav Gamliel. Well, I, I thought Rav Gamliel always sides with the woman. The answer is no. He only sides with the woman because her claim is definitive and the husband's claim is a suffix. Meaning, what's the case where Rav Gamliel argues with Rav Yeshua? A woman was not a basula when they got married. She says that she became a non-basula before they got married. And he says, no, it was during the marriage and you're committing adultery. Now, her claim is definitive. She knows what happened to her body. His claim is not definitive. He doesn't know when. He's suggesting that it happened after, but he doesn't know. So says Rav Gamliel, I'll side with the woman when her claim is more definitive than the husband's. But in our discussion, when the husband claims that when we got married, she was a basula, and the woman claims that when she got married, she was a basula, and the husband says, no, you were a hamana, he's saying that definitively. He's not saying when they had relations. He's saying, when I met you, you were a widow. He could do that definitively. So because the claim is definitive, even Rav Gamliel would side with the husband. That's why in our mission, you need witnesses. If there are no witnesses, you'd side with the husband. Even Rav Gamliel, who normally sides with the kala, in this case, would side with the husband because his claim is a bari and a bari. Says the Gemara, Filatim Rav Gamliel, Ad Kam Lekam Rav Gamliel Hasim and the Bari Vishem. Rav Gamliel only sides with the woman when her claim is a Bari, is definitive, and his claim is a Shema, is a doubt. But Avul Hacha. But in our discussion, Bari you Bari, Loyomar. But now our case where they're both making definitive claims, the halacha is you follow with the husband because he's the one who's holding on to the money. So the Gemara says, with the Karila, my Karila, the one who originally, what was the Hapamina? We thought the Hapamina was our mission didn't work with Rav Gamliel, because Rav Gamliel sides with the Kala over the Chasan, and now we're saying, no, 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 over here it's Bari Bari. Isn't that obvious? What were you thinking? Thinking that our Mishnah doesn't side with, uh, doesn't go with Rav Gamliel, meaning it's such an obvious back and forth. Well, what was the Hapamina? Ha Bari Bari, isn't it clear that our Mishnah is talking about Bari and Bari? And once it's Bari and Bari, once they're both making definitive claims, of course we should side with the Chasan. The answer is Kivan Deroiv Nashim Basulas Nasos. The answer is because most women, when they get married, are not widows. So Bari Vishema Dami, we should maybe go with her claim, meaning she's saying she definitively was 
it was her first marriage. He's saying definitively it was your second marriage. So we're saying that we side with the husband if not for witnesses. Isn't that obvious? The answer is you might think that we should side with her. Why? Because in addition to her making the claim, we also have statistics that say that most women that get married are the first marriage. So because you have the statistics, maybe we should go with her, Kamash will know when it's both definitive claims, we say and we side with the husband if there are no witnesses. Okay? And now we're saying that our Mishnah could work even with Rav Gamliel. And it's not only Rav Yeshua. So the Gemara says this makes sense. Why? Because the Mishnah then says, that Rav Yeshua is Moida. Now, Moida to who? If you follow the last couple of the we know that Rav Yeshua and Rav Gamliel have been arguing. So I'll explain outside, then we'll see it inside. If the beginning of the Mishnah works even according to Rav Gamliel, so then the flow of the Mishnah is real nice. It says a halacha that even Rav Gamliel would agree with. And then it says, Umoda Rav Yeshua. And you should know Rav Yeshua is moda to the aforementioned Rav Gamliel in the following halacha of Pesha Oseh Pesha Hitta. But if the first part of the Mishnah is not according to Rav Gamliel, and he's not recorded at all in our Mishnah, then who is Rav Yeshua moda to? It says in the Mishnah, Moda Rav Yeshua. Rav Yeshua is moda to who? If the first part of the Mishnah is authored by Rav Gamliel also, so he's moda to Rav Gamliel. But if the first part of the Mishnah is not according to Rav Gamliel, it's only according to Rav Yeshua, so who's Rav Yeshua moda to? There's no context. So the Gemara says, Hakanam stab metani, moda Rav Yeshua, because the Mishnah, the second part of the Mishnah says moda Rav Yeshua. Rav Yeshua agrees that Peshasa Peshahitir, Yamre Bishloma Ayri Rav Gamliel bemoda. Now, if the first part of the Mishnah is even according to Rav Gamliel, then the flow of the Mishnah is quite nice. Shapir, then it makes sense. First part of the Mishnah is that it goes according to Rav Gamliel, and then it's saying him, Rav Yeshua is moda to Rav Gamliel. Eliyamr loyai Rav Gamliel moda. But if you tell me that Rav Gamliel did not offer the first author of the first part of the Mishnah, so then who is Rav Yeshua moda to? Rav Yeshua l'man moda. So the answer is no. It could be Rav Gamliel did not really author the first part of the Mishnah. What does it mean? Who is Rav Yeshua moda to? The answer is Rav Yeshua is moda to Rav Gamliel, in based on the previous parak. The answer is it could be when it says Moda Rav Yeshua, it means Rav Yeshua is Moda to Rav Gamliel. I, where is the Rav Gamliel referenced? Now, if you tell me the Rav Gamliel author the first part of the mission, then he's over here. But if not, where, where is it coming from? The answer is it's a continuation of the first parak. The end of the first parak had multiple machloiks in between Rav Yeshua and Rav Gamliel, where they argued. And Rav Yeshua argued on Rav Gamliel even when there was a migu, as the Gemara will explain. To that, the Mishnah is saying, Moda Rav Yeshua, that although Rav Yeshua argued in the previous parak, he is Moda in this case. So it could be the first part of the Mishnah was not authored by Rav Gamliel. And what does it mean, Moda Rav Yeshua? It means Rav Yeshua is Moda to Rav Gamliel, even though they argued in the first parak, this first part of the Mishnah, the first part of the second parak, he is Moda. So the Gemara says, Misa Rav Yeshua, high Pirkin Kai, when it says Moda Rav Yeshua, the Rav Yeshua agrees. Who says that it's going on the first part of the Mishnah? Really? It's a continuation of the first parak. So, meaning that even though Rabbi Shu and Rabbi Gamliel argue in the first parak, there are moda over here. Now, the Gemara wants to know uh, 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 which one, Ahai. There were about, I think, three machlogs in between Rabbi Shu and Rabbi Gamliel. So now we're saying that although they argue over there, he had moda over here. Although they argue by that migu, they're moda by Pesha Asa Pesha Hitter. Which argument is it referencing? Which of the three is it referencing? So the Gemara is going to go through. It's pretty clear that it's argu- it's referencing the first. But the Gemara is going to go through. Let's go through each one. Ilay Maha. Maybe it's referencing the last Mishnah. The Mishnah says, Haisimu Beres, a woman is pregnant. Again, we're looking for a machlokis where Rabbi Yeshua did not agree, did not side with the woman, even when she had a migu. And we're saying now, the... 
Meaning that we're saying now that even though they argued in the first parak, when there was a migu, and Rabbi Yeshua did not side with the woman, even when there's a migu, we're saying now he's moda, that he would accept the testimony by Peshas Peshetah, which we're, so we're looking for a machlokas where Rabbi Yeshua did not side with the woman's views, did not side with her testimony, even when there was a migu. So the question is, which one? So let's go through the last one. Haisimuberis. The last one is a woman's pregnant, and the argument who's the who is the father? They ask, who is the father? She says the father was a certain Kayan and he's a kosher person. So Rav Gamliel, Rav Lazar, and Amenis, they say that Rav Gamliel sides with the woman. Rav Yeshua says, no, we don't believe her. Now, there's no Migu over there. Migu means that when they're making a claim, they could have made a better claim. And because they didn't go with that claim, that means that what they're saying is correct. There was no other claim. So we're looking for a scenario where she could have made another claim. And we're saying that, that even when there's a Migu, Rabbi Yeshua did not side with her. What, what other claim? She's pregnant. They're asking her who the father is. There's no other claim. She can't say she's not pregnant. It's not like, she could say she's not pregnant, but she's saying she's pregnant. So she, no, no, there's no other claim. My Migu Ika, Hari Krisa Ben Shanao, she's pregnant. So what, what other claim? So no good. So let's go to the second one. The middle Machlok. She sees, the court sees that this woman, this single woman, is medaberes is speaking with a person. Again, there's a machlokas ziiri and ravasi. Does that mean she's secluded, or does that mean that we know they live together? So, we assume, either because they secluded or because they live together, we, we assume that they were intimate. So they ask her, who is the father? So she says, he's a kosher person. So the Gemara says, the Mishnah says, Rav Gamil, Rav Rav says, we believe her. Rav says, we don't believe her. Now the question is, is there a Migu over there? Again, there, what is her claim? Her claim is that the father is Jewish. Is there a Migu? She, could she have claimed something else? So now, it, it depends. This is totally in the Machlaikis of what happened. Now, if you follow Ravasi, I'll explain how so it's it. What happened that, the, that aroused our suspicion? Now, according to Ravasi, we saw them actually have relations. Once you see them have relations, there's nothing she could claim. What could she claim? That they didn't? No, it's too late. We already know. According to Ziiri, there's a Migua, because according to Ziiri, she actually, we actually don't know that they, were committed, they actually had relations. They just secluded. So she actually could claim one of two things. She could claim they never had relations at all. But what she's claiming is, we had relations, but the guy was kosher. So that there's a Migu, because she, we should believe her, because she could have said something that was less incriminating. Amigo means that she made an incriminating statement, but she could have made a less incriminating statement. So because she could have she could have gone out, we're going to believe what she said. There's Amigo according to Ziri. According to Ziri, we don't know they actually had relations. We just saw them seclude. So she could actually claim that they didn't have relations, but she claimed they had relations, but it was a kosher guy. So for that, the, the Gemara says, okay, so according to one opinion, there's Amigo. But what about Ravasi? According to Ravasi, they actually, we actually know they were intimate. So what, what could she have claimed? So the Gemara says... According to Ziri, that says that they actually secluded. We don't actually know that they live together. So then the Migu is the Bayomer Le She could have claimed that they were never intimate. And she said, So now she's claiming that she was intimate, but with the kosher guy, we should believe her. But according to Ravasi, that, that he translates Midaberes, meaning that they actually, we actually, we have witnesses that they were actually together. So once you have witnesses that they're together, so what migu is there? So that can't be. So what is it referencing? So the Gemara says, rather, it's referencing the first machlekes, elaha. 
promise this is also going to be rejected. The form of like So this is the I guess the the, the, the second to the, the second one reference. Aha. The Mishnah said, There is an argument, she's not a Basula, and they're arguing what happened. So she says Mukas that she says that she was uh, she you're right, I wasn't a Basula when we got married. But I had uh, an injury in that part of the body. And, she, and he says, No, you're a Ba'ula. So, Rabbi Gamliel says, We believe her. Rabbi Shua says, We don't believe her. So, the Gemara says, What's the Migu over there? Now, if you remember, what is her claim? This is also a reference to the Machlegas. You have Machlegas, Rabbi Lazar, and Rabbi Yochanan as to what they're claiming. According to Rabbi Lazar, She's claiming she wants 100 zuz because he holds that if if you were get married as a mukaseit, you only get 100. He's saying, no, you're a bu'ula and you get nothing. Rabbi Yochanan says that she's claiming for 200 and he wants to give her 100. So it's a machlegis. Is it 100 and 0 or 200 and 100? We had this in Dafyad Gimel. So the Gemara says like this. My migu, what would be the migu? So Bishlam or Avalazar, according to Avalazar, here's the migu. According to Avalazar, she's claiming that she was a Mukasait before she got married, and she's only entitled to 100 Zos. Now, she could have claimed something a lot better. She could have claimed that she is a Mukasait, but it happened after she got married. So then she would be entitled to 200. So she could claim something that would get her 200 Zos, but now she's claiming something that has 100 Zos. Migu, that she could have said something less incriminating, she could have claimed that she... She's, she's asking for 100 now, but she could have asked for 200. She could have said that she is a Mukasait, but it happened after she got married, and when she got married, she was a Basula, so she gets 200, but she's saying that she was a Mukasait before she got married, so it's 100. So there's there was a claim that was better. Migu, she could have claimed that. Okay, we should believe her. But according to Rav Yochanan, she's asking for 200 Zuz. There's no Migu. There's nothing she could have claimed that's better. So according to Rav Yochanan, there's no Migu. What's the Migu? So the Gemara says, you're right. Do you know what the Migu is? Tough stuff. You know what the Migu is? The Migu is the first case. The first case was You have a woman that find if she gets married and it turns out she's not a Basula. She says that she was a Basula when she got married, but she was raped after marriage. And he says, No, you were actually had a boyfriend before you got married. So you were a Basula when you got married. And she says, No, I was a Basula. Rav Gamliel, Rav Lazar Nemenis, Rav Gamliel sides with her, Rav Shua Rav Shua does not. What's the Migu? She's claiming that she was attacked after she got married. You know what she could have claimed? She could have claimed something better. She could have claimed that after she got married, she had an injury in that part of the body. And that's a better claim because when she says she got attacked after marriage, she's forever disqualified from marrying a Kayan because it's technically an act of adultery, even though it's rape. For Kahanim, it's a problem. So because she could claim something less incriminating, she could have claimed Mukaseitz, that's a Migu. And still, Rabbi Yeshua doesn't side with it. So you see that Rabbi Yeshua does not agree with her, even when there's a Migu. To that, the Mishnah says, Moda Rabbi Yeshua. To that, the Mishnah says, although Rabbi Yeshua does not side with her, even when um, there's a Migu, but over here he's Moda by Pesha Aser Pesha Hitter, that he does side with the claimant. Uh, when they claim, when he guy says that your father sold me the field, 
So that's what Gemara says. Migu di boy omer muka seitsa ni tachtel. Deloy kapasla nashe mekuhuna. Kaomer nanasti de kapasla nashe mekuhuna. Mushum hachi kam rav gamliel de mehimna. Rav gamliel sides with her because there's a migu. Although I did not agree with you in the previous Perex Migu, but I agree in this Migu of Pesha Asa Pesha Hitter. But in this Migu of our case, which is a guy just comes out of nowhere and says, You should know this field that everyone thinks is mine was originally your father's, and he sold it to me. That Rav Yeshua says, I'll, 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 I'll believe. The case with the woman, I won't believe her even though she had a Migu, but in this case, I will believe even though because there's a Migu. Okay? The Gemara says the obvious question, and this is the end of this discussion. Michti, hi migu, hi migu. Why is it that Rav Yeshua goes with this Mishnah's migu of Pesha Asar, Pesha Hitter more than the previous Parak's migu? What's the difference? The previous Parak's migu, he doesn't side with her, even though she had a better claim, and Rav Yeshua does not believe that that's a sign that she's telling the truth. He doesn't believe in migu. But in this case, where the guy comes out of nowhere and says, This field that everyone thinks is mine, you should know it was your father's, and he sold it to me. So he says the incriminating point, which is that it was your father's, but then he also says that he sold it to me, we believe. What's the difference? So the answer is, The difference is, in the case with the woman, although she has a migu, the investigation's already started. It's not like she's coming out of nowhere and it's unprecedented. She was brought to court because she wasn't a basula. They're arguing about what happened. So yeah, she has a better claim, but it's not like, it's not like she, she could have kept this quiet. In the case with the field... He's coming out of nowhere and saying, you should know this field that no one's questioning. It was originally your father's and he sold it to me. So because he's bringing up the claim, it's more believable. In the case of the woman, while she has amigo that she could have said something better, but what she's saying, it's not like unprecedented. It's not like unwarranted. She has to answer. She's in court. In the case of the field, he's coming out of nowhere. So because he's coming out of nowhere, it's more believable. Okay. Now... Let's go a little bit. The Gemara says like this. Tired. Um, the Gemara says, in this case where a woman gets married, uh, gets is getting divorced or widowed, and she wants to collect her ksu, but she doesn't have it. She lost it. So she claims that she was besula, and she's she's owed two hundred zuz, and he says no, one hundred zuz. So we said that if there are witnesses, then she's believed. But if not, not. So the Gemara says. Now we said why? Why? No, what's the reason why we would think that we would believe her? Because the majority of women that get married, it's the first marriage. So the Gemara wants to know. We keep derived notion besulusnesses. The Gemara says, well, once most women get married, if it's their fir- if most women that get married is their first marriage, why why isn't that enough? Meaning, why do I need witnesses to prove to testify that when she got married, there was uh, her hair was down, or they were throwing kernels, all the things that they did by Basil. What do you need that for? Why don't you just go with Rove? Rove marriages are first marriages. Why isn't that enough? The answer is, You're right, says Ravina. Most marriages are first marriages. But let's say 75% of the marriages are first marriage. 25% of the marriages are second marriages. But you know what is worse over here? If there are no witnesses that come forward to prove that her marriage... We're asking, why do you need witnesses for Forget about witnesses. Even if there are no witnesses that can attest that her marriage is absolute, just go with the majority. The answer is, every woman that gets married by a first marriage, people find out about it. There's word about town, people know about it. The fact that witnesses are not coming forward is damning evidence, and it undoes the rope. So if you don't have witnesses that can attest that 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 
her marriage was the first marriage. If, the, if you can't find someone that will mention the kernels of wheat or mention her hair being done, if you can't, or basula and the ksuba, all these things, if you can't find someone that's willing to come out, every woman that gets married first, first marriage, you can find witnesses. The fact that you can't undoes the robe entirely. Okay, go to the next page. So the Gemara says one quick question. The Gemara says, I'm, I'm sorry, finish up. If you're telling me that every woman that gets married, first marriage, there's reputation, that people know that she's a basula, then even if you can get witnesses, if there's no word about town, I mean, if you're telling me that every single woman that gets married, first marriage, people find out about it, then even if there are witnesses that come forward, if there's no word about town, if there's no, like, talking and schmoozing and rumor has it and people schmoozing about it, then why, do, why don't we assume that the witnesses are lying? So the answer is, The answer is not every, mar- every first marriage people find out about. Majority. Majority of first marriages people find out about. It. So if you have witnesses, then even without a reputation, it's fine. But if you don't have witnesses, then the fact that people don't find out about it and you don't have witnesses takes away the rove, and therefore we're not going to side with her. Okay, one last sugya. The Gemara has a kasha. The question is like this. This woman has no ksuba. So she claims that she's a basula. He claims that she's not a basula. And she gets witnesses, so we believe her. No witnesses, we side with him. The question is, if there's no ksuba, if she doesn't have a ksuba, then what's to stop her from doing this a thousand times? She'll go to one court... Get a get claim, get witnesses, get two hundreds, no witnesses, get one hundreds, take them to another court, take them to another court. Meaning if there's a ksuba, so then the husband then she has a ksuba, she wants think of it like an IOU. She goes to court and says, Oh, I'm owed money. Here's the ksuba. Once the husband gives her the money, then they rip up the ksuba, take away the ksuba, give it to the husband, whatever. She can't do this again. If she lost her ksuba and were willing to give her money, then what's to stop her from doing this a thousand times? So the Gemara says, Maybe she'll get witnesses, go to court in one Bezdin, the Bezdin of Brooklyn, get the money, she'll do this all over. Meaning, if, if she lost her ksuba, we're just going to take her word for it, even with the witnesses, then why can't she do this a thousand times? The answer is, This is a proof that we write a receipt. There's a whole sugya in, um, this is Baba Basra, of, do we write receipts? Meaning, when when people, when the borrower and the lender, that the lender owes, uh, the lender owes money, the borrower owes money, the question is, uh, do we write, and, and then the, the then the borrower pays back, does the borrower get a receipt that he, that he, uh, that he paid? Or does the, or, or do, is there, is there no, or do we not write receipts? You see, the issue with writing a receipt, um, yeah, if, if you give the borrower a receipt, that means that I paid, the issue with that, the reason why some opinions are against receipts, is because then it's on the responsibility of the borrower. And if he loses the, the, the receipt, 
then then the, the lender can keep charging him money. Some say we go with that approach, and some say, no, you don't write a receipt, the borrower has to have the document. So says the Gemara over here, where there's no ksuba, it's a proof that we write receipts. So therefore, the husband will have a receipt that he paid, and it's his responsibility to hold on to it. If he not going to lose it, he could get messed over, but that's his responsibility. The Gemara says, Rav Papa Omar, no. Really, Rav Papa says it could be on the Mishnah, that it could be where normally we don't write receipts. So why is it that over here... So Repubba uh, says, it's not a proof that we write a receipt. We don't write a receipt, but we're talking about a location where they don't write ksubas. In that location, they never write a ksuba, and it was just the woman's responsibility to bring witnesses forward or to bring her get. And I guess... So they didn't write a receipt. So the point is, it's not a proof to the Sugiba Babasra. I don't know how they don't prevent her from keep doing this. I'll be honest with you. I'm a little bit confused as to how, I mean, I guess in that location, if you never write a Ksuba, I guess you figure it out. Let me see if Rashi, Rashi says. But uh, uh, to me, it's a little bit of an interesting thing. Um, Rav Popo Omar, Rashi says in the second thin line, La'olam in Kaisin. Really, we don't write receipt. The nim says that Sarah Lishma Shavra because then you're putting the onus on the husband who paid. And normally, there is no receipt. It's the person who ha- who's owed the money. He has to procure the document. If he can't, then he's out of luck. Or he has to bring witnesses. Our mission is talking about a case where there's no ksuba. Meaning, and Rashi explains that. Our mission is talking about a case where you don't write a, a, a receipt, and you don't write a ksuba at all, and you just rely on Bezdin trusted the woman, and, and they weren't concerned about it. That's the answer. So Ravo says, our mission is talking about a case, it's a proof that you write a receipt. Ravo says, no, you don't write a receipt, and it's a location where they don't write a ksuba, and they weren't concerned that the person would get messed over. So the, this this back and forth is all on the Mishnah. And some have this back and forth on a brisa. It's very similar. The Brisa says, if the ksuvasa, if she lost ksuba, or hitminik ksuvasa, or she hid her ksuba for safekeeping, and she can't remember where she where she put it, or nisrva ksuvasa, or her ksuba was was burnt. So she she claims again, so she doesn't have a ksuba. It's very similar to our Mishnah. Um, so she doesn't have the ksuba anymore. So she claims she and she wants to get the ksuba money. So she claims she was a psula. He says, No, you weren't. It was a second marriage. So Rokdu Lafanel, if she could prove that her marriage was the first marriage, so if she could prove that they danced in front of her, which they would only do uh give Kate Marakti and they would only do the for first marriage in the times of the Gemara, or Sachakulafanel, or they uh they, they juggled, they did fun stuff in front of her, which they would only do for her first marriage, or have you Lifanel Kaishal Basura, or they passed in front of her a a a uh, uh a kaisal basura, a cup of, uh, of proclamation. We'll see what that was. That was a special thing that they would only do by first marriages. So a mapashal basulam, or she could prove a cloth. She has the cloth that they live by their first night. So these are all proofs that she was a basula. She could procure witnesses. So then the back and forth is on that brisa. Why aren't you concerned that she's going to do this again? She'll go from court to court just messing over the husband. So Am Ravo says this is a proof that you write a receipt. Papa says, no, really, you don't write a receipt. And why aren't they concerned? This is talking about a location where they don't have a ksuba and they trusted the wife.
They weren't concerned. So Rav Papa's, so this answer, so this back and forth was on the Bryson. Now the problem is, this back and forth on the Bryson is a little bit worse than the Mishnah. Why? Because the Mishnah just says she doesn't have a ksuba. It doesn't say what happened. So Rav Papa says, it's a location where they don't write a ksuba. The problem is this Bryson says that the ksuba was hidden, or it was lost, or it was burnt. And Rav Papa's saying on that Bryson, it's talking about a situation where they don't write a ksuba. What do you mean they don't write a ksuba? It says that she lost a ksuba. They obviously write a ksuba. The Gemara says, "If the ksuba it says that she lost her ksuba. How could you say that it's talking about a location where they didn't write ksubas? It says she lost her ksuba. Evidently, it was written. The answer is to kusel you. It means that it's not a location where they generally write ksubas. The husband happened to write her ksuba and it was lost. Saif saif mafkala v'gavale. Okay, but at the end of the day, why aren't we concerned that she'll keep doing this? Meaning." I mean, the fact that you can tell, listen, if they never write ksubas anywhere, and the husband didn't write ksubas, evidently, the husband's on board with trusting her, everyone's on board with trusting her, fine. But if the husband wrote her ksuba, and then it got lost, so how could, how, why aren't you concerned? The husband's obviously concerned, so why isn't that enough to be concerned? The answer is, my ibda, what does it mean that it was lost? So we, we thought lost meant that it was written. It means ibda ba'ur, it was lost in the fire, meaning... So it, it's not like when when he wrote her the ksuba, he was afraid that she would keep doing this again. Once it's burnt, so then the ksuba's gone, he's not concerned of her, there's no danger that she'll use it a second time. So Gemara says, Ihachi. So you're telling me that when it says lost, it really means burnt. So isn't that Hainu Nisrafa? Isn't that the same thing as Nisrafa? So why does the Brisa list burnt, lost, and hidden? Uh, if burnt and lost are the same, it should be listed once. Void. And also, if we are actually concerned, if the husband's concerned that she's going to reclaim the ksuba by using it multiple times, and when you're telling me that it's lost, it means it's burnt, what about when it says it's hidden? Hitzmina, so why are we concerned that she'll find it and reuse it? And also, why do you have to have the case where she lost it? If that's the same as fire, it should be listed once. So the Gemara says... Rather, it's clear the word she lost it by Ibda is not referring to a case where it was destroyed. So now we have the original Shiloh that if the Ksub exists, why is the why are they not concerned that she's going to use it twice? I mean, if there is no Ksuba, then it's the honor system. Okay, fine. But if he wrote her a Ksuba, which means that once there's a Ksuba in existence, he doesn't trust her, so then why why how could she claim unless she could prove that it was destroyed? So the answer is You know the answer is when it says that she got lost. The Brisa says that she claims her ksuba was lost, burnt, or hidden. We thought it meant that in all three cases she could claim the ksuba. The answer is no. If she this is how you read the Brisa, she'll only get the money if it was burnt, because we know that it's gone. If she claims that it's lost, it's the same as claiming that it's hidden, and we won't give her the ksuba until she can prove that it was destroyed. So the answer is that if they talk a Ksuba, we don't trust her, according to our Papa, that we don't write receipts. We don't trust her until she could prove unequivocally that it's gone. Okay. Now, so you have this back and forth between Rav Avo and Rav Papa of writing a receipt, not writing a receipt. So one version was on the Mishnah, which is pretty clear for it. And then one was on the Bryce, and it got a little messy because the Bryce had lost Ksuba, and it was all complicated. So the Gemara speaks it out. If you have the back and forth on the Bryce, which is complicated and more messy, then you'll for sure have it on the Mishnah. But the Mandemasniya Mishnah... But if you had this back and forth on the Mishnah, you would not put it on the Bryce, because of all the problems that we encountered. Okay. One more, two more back and forth, then we'll stop. 
The Gemara says, Im yesh edim. If there are witnesses that can prove that her marriage was the first marriage, there are witnesses that say she had long hair and, you know, or she went out with a hinuma, whatever that is, so then she'll collect the money. So the Gemara says, we just had a finished uh, discussion of why are we concerned that she'll collect the money multiple times. So Ravo said it's because of a receipt, Rav Papa said because there's no ksuba, and we're dealing with a place where there's like the honor system. So the Gemara says, but now we should be concerned again, Question of Papa again: If this is no, if there's no receipt, Dilma Mafke Ede Hinuma Bahai Bedina Vegavi, Vahadim Mafke Ede Hinuma Bahai Bedina Chorana Gavi. If 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 this is basically the exact same Gemara. Yeah, this is weird that it's repeated. The Gemara says, why aren't we concerned that she'll get witnesses that she left with a Hinuma and it was the first marriage and get 200 Zos in one court and do it again in the next court? The answer is, The answer is, everyone agrees in such a scenario we will write a receipt because there's no other way. Meaning, yeah, the answer is that if you believe that the Machlegis Ravon of Papa is much smaller now. Ravo says this is a proof that we write receipts in general of papa is going to say no this is actually not a proof and in this case we write a receipt because we have no choice because once she's collecting ksuba with witnesses then then you're going to have to write a receipt and you have no choice okay fine we said one of the proofs of a first marriage was they would pass Kaisal Basura, an announcement cup. What is that referring to? So they would take a cup of truma wine and pass it in front of her by all first marriages to say, She would be fit to if she was marrying a Kayan, she would be able to eat truma, meaning she is not a divorcee and she would be fit. So it's her first marriage. If she was marrying a Kayan, she would be fit to marry to drink truma. So they pass a cup of truma in front of her to say she she would be fit to drink truma. The problem is maskler of papa. First of all, if uh, any woman who marries a kayan legally can drink truma, that means that if it's her first marriage or if she's a widow and marries a kayan, she can also be truma. So how is passing a cup of truma in front of her proof that it's her first marriage? Maybe she's a widow. And she could drink truma because she's a widow. The answer is Lama Rav Papa. This is what I meant. Zuracious Katrumaracious. She is like truma, just like truma is the first and the choicest. The first separation goes to the guy, and so does she. This is her first marriage. Okay, Tanya. Rav Yehuda says by first marriages they would pass a barrel of wine in front of her. What's the explanation? If it was a first marriage, they would pass a sealed barrel, like it's her first marriage, so she's a virgin, it would be sealed. But Ula, but if it was a second marriage, Mavir Pusa, they would pass by an open barrel, because she's been opened before. So the Gemara says an obvious question, am I? If it's the second marriage, why are you passing by a barrel that's open? That's embarrassing. Just Navar Kami Basula, Vikami Bula, Navar Kla. Why not just put the barrel in front of the Basulas, and if Baulas just don't have the barrel at all, why do you have to have a barrel that's open? So the answer is, the answer is if you if if they just didn't pass a barrel in front of the second marriages, then what would happen is a woman would have a second marriage, claim that it was really her first marriage, and they're going to say, but we didn't have a barrel, and she was going to say because they ran out of barrels. Meaning, if they only had barrels by first marriages and they didn't have any type of barrel by the second marriages, there would be women who had second marriages and claim that it was really her first marriage, and the reason why they didn't have a barrel is just because they it was an onus, they ran out of barrels. Therefore, they wanted to make it clear. Every wedding had barrels. First marriages, the barrels were sealed. Second marriages, the barrels were opened. 
and therefore there's no claim. You can't make any other claim. You can't say there wasn't a barrel or uh, you know something happened. You knew clearly what was going on from the marriage itself, from the wedding itself. All right, we'll stop here.